travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal, Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we chat with the co-founder of Air Supply. It's our interview with Russell Hitchcock. Who's Air Supply? How old are you, Sally? Brad, you know what to do. Steve, the fact that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the 80s cruise makes me so lost in love. Sailing this spring out of Port Canaveral, Florida, the 80s cruise will be making love out of nothing at all while sailing the caribbean with a ship full of 80s icons including air supply 38 special wang chung sheena easton the english beat and many 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 more on the 80s cruise even the nights are better with special themed events every single day and concerts every evening if you're wondering here i am an 80s fan who wants to go on the cruise go to www.the80scruise.com for more details and until february 2024 it's sweet dreams for every woman and man in the 80s world eh, okay i tried Hey gang, this year has been absolutely bonkers with the number of uh, really amazing interviews that we've been able to land. I think five of the last or eight of the last 10 shows are all interviews. And I think I have three more to do in the next two weeks. Yeah, but this one is with Russell Hitchcock, who's going to be our new best friend, Spearsy, because Air Supply is one of the headliners on the cruise, just like we headline the trivia on the cruise. I remember when we used to open for trivia. <laughs> Those are the days. But then we made the big show, the really yeah. big show. We got our call up. We just hope we can help the team. <laughs> we get the green room. We ask them the one question at a time. Charcuterie plate. Mm. Uh, yeah, I remember last year, when they always announced the lineup for the next year's cruise on the first night of the cruise. At, like around, I think it's around 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Yeah, at night, they, they wait until we're out of cell range. So <laughs> people can't just immediately message it in, into their press contact. Yeah. And they show them, you know, one at a time. They they show the band and 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 one of the songs that they play. And Air Supply came on the screen, and everyone's like, it just went crazy because you know it's one of the missing pieces that we've had over the last, you know, I guess this is the, this will be the eighth sailing. Yeah, we're we're double seniors this year. Wow, interesting. We'd be doctors Shocking. if we were doing something more productive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the 80s weren't all about productivity, Steve. Yeah, well, they were about some great music. And 
Russell Hitchcock and his partner Graham Russell, which by the way gets very confusing after time over over time because you're like Russell Hitchcock, Graham Russell, which ones? Which Russell am I talking to? Yeah, uh, Russell, who I talked to, and his partner Graham. Let's keep it simple. Mm, I like are, that. They're the founders of Air Supply, a band that they formed when the two of them met during an Australian production of Jesus Christ Superstar. They they found out that they were both Beatle fanatics, and they kind of bonded over that. Started playing coffee houses in Sydney. So um, Andrew Lloyd Webber brings people together. <laughs> exactly. And, and to this that day, they print that on a t-shirt. <laughs> and uh, they've been cranking out chart toppers since the first half of the 80s. T- to this day, they're still on the road up to 300 days a year. 300 days. Dude, that's a lot. That's crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. They're always that's crazy though. times. Look at their calendar. Go to their official website and check out their tour dates. They are they crisscross the globe like nobody's business. Like they may be in Florida one week and then the next week they're suddenly in the Philippines or or Asia or, or somewhere like that. It's they're and then they'll be back in Florida. <laughs> and then and then they're in Ohio. Road warriors. Yeah. We've had him on the show before. I, I Russell was on the show back in 2009, episode 175. Wow. I don't think I asked any of the same questions again. It, it's interesting because when I interviewed them in August of 2009, I had never seen them perform live before. Have you, You've seen them since, though. Oh, like three three or four times now. But I hadn't seen them. You know, I was going okay. to, and I, they were promoting a tour, and they were coming through Florida, and I did go see them, and it was amazing. And I went backstage and hung out with them. <laughs> was surreal so cool. that's so cool it was it was and they were just like hey they, they wouldn't i mean i go backstage you know, you just kind of figure they're gonna say oh hi you know yeah thanks for thanks coming for, out yeah thanks for the publicity but they're like pouring me wine asking me questions about tampa bay just you know bending my ear on everything it was it was a really <laughs> surreal experience to say the well, least you know that just that kind of speaks to something he talks about a little bit in the interview about how his parents are like wouldn't let him get away with thinking you know his didn't stink basically yeah. so uh, you know he seems to have stayed pretty connected with reality i guess i'll say yeah which is great the great thing about him is is their music has and i know this is going to seem weird to say this but it's evolved and if you watch them perform now, they have a music director who basically has replaced all the the strings, you know, and the soft sound of air supply. It's a little edgier now, but not in a way that you sit there and go, oh, my God, they've electrified air supply. No, it's just it just gives it a little bit more of an edge. And it's 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 like watching a meatloaf show, in other words, huh. or, well, now I'm even that much more intrigued. I mean, I was always interested to see them on the cruise because I've never seen them before and you hear good things. But It's going to be one of the can't-miss shows on the cruise or anywhere. Seriously, look at their schedule. They're playing all over all the time. If you're not going on the cruise, catch them somewhere else. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Air Supply's Russell Hitchcock. We'll be back afterwards with the Seggies and more. Russell Hitchcock, great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you, sir. Good to see you again. Uh, I took my wife to her first air supply concert this past January in Clearwater, Florida, and she's now the ultimate airhead. Just she was, <laughs> she couldn't stop talking. She still talks about that show because of that show. She has single handedly talked some of our family members into 
coming on the 80s cruise with us next spring because you guys are going to be on it. Wow. That's impressive. Bless her heart. <laughs> you have a way of interacting with the audience that's so it's so delightful to watch. You you you're always, you know, making eye contact, you know, giving them a thumbs up, you know, giving them a wink. It's it's it's, it's a great little it's, it's so much fun to watch you on stage. Well, you know, we've we've um I guess it's it's evolved certainly because when when we first started playing I used to play conga drums and I would stand behind them because I was too scared to move. And um, fortunately, that's not the case anymore. Um, I've always, you know, wanted to do that. I think I've seen bands, uh, very high profile bands who sound amazing, but they don't do anything. And, you know, fortunately for me, I just, I I primarily want to hear them. But, you know, on the other hand, I want to be entertained as well. And um, the, one of the reasons why we've been around for so long is that we do have a, an amazing relationship with the fans. Um, I want to see, in fact, I, I kind of get into a bit of an argument once in a while with my lighting guy because I tell him, I want to see faces because if I can't see faces, I can't relate to people. And if I can't relate to them, that's 90% of my show gone, you know, for me personally. And um, it's so important to me. Uh, because, you know, you can, apart from the personal interaction, which I think I have with, with audiences, and Graham does too, um, just to see the expression on people's faces, how they're affected by a song, um, you know, how you see couples get closer together and smooch and hug or whatever, cry, um, you know, that's really important to me because once you uh, bridge that gap, you know, between just being up on stage up there and people sitting down watching you, it becomes super personal for me and I believe the audience. And it's also, uh, I find it very contagious. I mean, I, I sometimes will see somebody pretty early on in the show and and concentrate on them for a little bit and the people beside them or around them look at them and then they look at me and look at Graham. This is not all about me, Steve, you know that. Right? <laughs> I know it. Um, but, you know, just to have that feeling that, that uh, you're you're kind of at one with, with the audience and they're on the same page as you and they're on the same emotional level and digging it as much as you are is just priceless. And uh, I, I, in fact, I just did another interview uh, just before you and Rod Stewart, when we toured with him, that was something that uh, I picked up from him very early on in the piece. So you've got to, you've got to, you know, get into the audience's mind and and uh, and they'll enjoy it more because they they realize that they're not just sitting there not they don't have to close their eyes and listen they're going to see something as well as hear something I think it'll be interesting on the cruise because you're on the ship with us for a week and there's a lot of chances to interact with uh, the guests and the fans and so I'll be I'll be curious to see you know, how you enjoy making those connections. I, I think it's a real special group that goes on this cruise every year. I've been on every one. And uh, so I, I know when they announced air supply was coming, uh, which they always make the announcement the first night of every cruise, they announced who's coming on the next one and air supply came up on the screen and there was just this explosion of <laughs> reaction, you know, and, and awesome. everyone, the rest of the week, everyone talked about, 
you know, how many songs do you know by heart? Well, I pretty much know them all by heart and, and stuff like that. How many times have you seen him lately? How many, you know, how many, I've never seen him. You haven't seen him. You have to see him, you know, just. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've done a few of the cruises, obviously. And, uh, um, you know, we're also not ones to lock ourselves in our cabins after, after a show or during the day. I know we have usually have a Q and a day, um, with whomever else is, is performing on the cruise. Um, I think it's always too, even apart from the socialising part of thing, parts of things. To uh, to get, I always get opinions about from people about what they think of the show and what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, what would you like to see or hear? That's the toughest one because they everybody wants to hear songs that we don't play anymore. <laughs> and um, but it's just a, it's a great experience, and and also. A, Graham and I are both uh, regular guys, you know. We're not. I don't have my head up my butt uh, about thinking about how important I am and how how great I am. Um, we came both came from very working class backgrounds, and uh, certainly to put your chest out and give yourself praise, your self praise was just. An, um, my parents wouldn't put up with that, and I know Graham's didn't either. Um, and my dad, you know, from very early on in my life, I always remember him telling me to be be polite to people, be kind, um, you know, because that's the way people should be. And I've it, it's worked for me and us uh, forever. And uh, I enjoy that interaction um, with 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 people on the cruise. Of course, you know, you're in a confined space for a week, and sometimes it is hard to get away from. You know everything, but I mean, people that uh, who are listening to you, watching you, watching us, will uh, can you know rest rest assured, uh, or make everybody feel if they want to come up and say hi or take a picture or whatever. It's uh, don't be old. Oh, I didn't want to do that because I might disturb him. Or I mean, I'm already disturbed because I'm in rock and roll. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just uh, we love doing it, and uh, every time that we've we we see it's on a schedule. With a bunch of venues that we play, we go. Yeah, it's you know, it's something that we always look forward to. And and as you know, you were talking about your, your wife. I mean, we it's a good way to to uh, to get more airheads into the fold. You know, I remember when I first heard uh, that uh, fans of the band were called airheads, and I thought, oh, that's. <laughs> I thought it was derogatory at first, and then I thought about it, and I thought, no, that's that's perfect. Yeah, well, it is, and it's not derogatory, and. Um, I've never heard one person say that's an insult to me it, because they are they are a part of a very select group um, because obviously Air Supply is not everybody's favourite band in the world uh, by far, but uh, we have our legions of fans and we love them and uh, and once again it's it's always it sounds cliched but without without fans you know. Sure. We have nothing, and we appreciate their support through the good times and the bad times, and especially, um, you know, the, the numbers that are coming to see us these days are phenomenal. And uh, we've we we played uh, over the weekend in Connecticut, and our agent was there, and uh, both Graham and and I said to his name's Jim Gosnell. He he owns and runs APA. Bit of a plug there for Jim. Um, there's something happening. You know that there's been a shift in the last five years uh, with air supply going somewhere else that uh, we hadn't either before or for a long time, and it's very, very encouraging, and it, it feels great. You know, 
The um, you talk about Graham, and there's a friendship you have with him that's one of the most enduring and enviable relationships in a business where friendships don't usually survive very long. I, I know <laughs> you've said before you've never had a fight with him ever since meeting him in 1975 when you both performed in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar in Australia. Uh, have you ever been a, been able to put a finger on what what's the key to the bond aside from the mutual background? Yeah, we both always believe that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we don't <laughs> look at that as trying to figure out why it, why it isn't like it is. But, you know, if you want to get political about it, um, we, we, we weren't kids when we got into the group together. So the success we had, I mean, you have to have an ego to get on stage, certainly, or do anything. What you're doing, you have to have an ego to do it. But it's not the reason that you do it. The reason you do it is because you love it. Uh, we don't step on each other's toes. I don't write songs. He doesn't want to be the lead singer. Um we respect each other. I love him as a brother. We've been through hell and high water together, both professionally and personally, um, and always been there to, to support one another. Um, I, When we have a break, which is very rare, um, I love getting back to work. I love walking into the venue, into the hotel and seeing him, um, probably because I've, been, I've known him for so long and it's... He's like my, you know, the other half of me, my entity. Um, and we're not complete on stage without each other. Uh, we we both said if he didn't do it, if he didn't want to do it anymore, I wouldn't do it, you know, I couldn't. And um, it showed a lot of respect, I think, probably the more more than anything. And um, I'm, it was his idea to start the band. It was his idea to, to, to work together. I mean, he came up with the name. He writes a lot of the songs. And uh, I'm not diminishing my role in Air Supply, but he it's his band. And I know that, you know, musical decisions I don't even get involved with because I don't know anything about music except singing songs that I learned, that I learned through memory, not by reading music or anything. Um, and I leave that. You know, everything like that. I mean, as we discuss musician changes, we discuss the show, we discuss the, discuss the production, we discuss all the personnel. But as far as the music is concerned, um, you know, I always say, what do you, you know, it's your call. Uh, and he's not like, well, um, you know, of course it's my call. Um, he's very respectful of that. And I don't know, it just, it works. And we don't, we don't question that. And, and, uh, but going back to your question is we've we've never found anything to disagree about. I mean, nothing. You know, it's really simple. The 80s cruise, now that I think about it, has had a good share of Australians or bands that have Australian roots, because I, I know you live now in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, but I, earlier this year, Steve Kilby and the church were on the ship. Uh, next year, alongside of Air Supply, we have uh, David Sterry from Real Life is on the ship. What What is it? about Australia that made it such a fertile ground for musicians in the 70s and 80s? Well, I think um, b before I you know, even thought about being in music in the 60s even, there was a tremendous amount of talent in Australia and n the world didn't know about it, basically. I mean, it was, you know, it's obviously very isolated because it's so far away. Um, there was a, a time when... Um, imported music was banned in Australia so 
a lot of artists recorded hits, even from the Beatles, and and they were hits in Australia, but other acts that, you know, one may not have heard of. But I think once, um, like Olivia, obviously, Helen Reddy to a, to a degree, um, the Bee Gees, uh, in fact, I worked on the reminiscing video for LRB oh, when wow. we were broke. Yeah, I was getting the sandwiches and tooling around, you know, the set, and I was friends with... Uh, Glenn and B, pretty pretty good friends, and Lost in Love had just been released, and Beeb said to me, "What are you doing here? Why aren't you in America doing this and that and stuff?" I said, "Look, I don't know, dude. I can't. I have no reason. <laughs> I, said, I, I can't tell you that." But I think once the world was exposed to the talent there, then I, I remember when Nirvana happened. Then let's go to Seattle because all the talent's there, you know. And I think the fact that uh, a few, I mean, LRB certainly paved the way for us to have success in the US and, and, and the rest of the world. I think once America, which is the, you know, the center of the musical universe, no matter what anybody says, once America got uh, wind that there, were, there was a lot of talent in Australia, um, you know, let's look at that more. And obviously, men at work and, um, you know, I don't know, Ice House, if, if they were successful in the US. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were as successful, but I mean, they certainly made their impact in the 80s. And, you know, even though ACDC is uh, English, Scottish born, they're Australian. And, uh, sure. you know, obviously they're probably the, well, they are the biggest act to ever come out of Australia. Um, so we, you know, we always had it. And it used to be frustrating um, before I was in Air Supply when I was still working in an office in uh, Sydney that. I uh, I used to think because I was I always listened to music and never thought I'd be in it. I just thought this is ridiculous, you know. I see because uh, I watched all of the programs from the US, uh, Hoot Nanny and <laughs> and those things back in the day, and I just thought, you know, this is crazy. These acts, a lot of them were great, a lot of them successful, but a lot of them on US TV and on. On the radio, they weren't any, they weren't any good, and we we had you know this whole uh, I don't know bucket full of talent that nobody even wanted to look at. So um, I think that was it. And once you know, it's it's the same in anything. Once something gets tapped and it's successful, then let's go there until the well one the well runs dry. You know, I you mentioned TV shows in the eighties and and such. I, I was just watching a video of a fair supply performing on countdown uh, yeah, back, yeah. back in 1979, I think it, 76 yeah, yeah. love yeah, and yeah. other bruises. Right. Love and, yeah. yeah. There you talk about if, if I had to drive, if I had to draw up my list, uh, my dream air supply set list, I think I would drop uh, love, love and other bruises on there. Well, we have played that. So keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, that was our first 
success in Australia in, in 76. And um, Ian Meldrum, who hosted the show, Molly, his nickname is, he was so uh, such a supporter of ours. We did that show quite a bit and we hosted it a few times. And uh, one year, I don't know which, it was in the early 80s that uh, we he went on a, like a, a rampage on Australian TV because he said, like we'd had at that point we'd had three or four top five songs, and he said, uh, if you don't vote these guys the the act of the year in Australia, you, you know you you're crazy. And of course they didn't. Oh, um, another another thing that we suffered is that we were never hip or cool or whatever, and we were perceived as you know which was our image: big afro, white clothes, uh, kind of perceived syrupy songs and love songs and. And uh, we were never that live, and of course you've seen that. Um, but you know, it's he was just a great supporter of ours, and and uh, and when we got successful and had success in America, um, you know, we we did solid gold every other week for <laughs> it seemed like five years, and they they were a, a wonderful support for us, and obviously the exposure was was priceless. Um, all the you know, we did Mike Douglas, uh, Johnny Carson. Um, all the shows, Captain and uh, Tennille, um, we did every TV show. They were all supportive. Um, but, you know, it's it's certainly hasn't been easy. But I, I've always uh, had the greatest admiration for Countdown, and not just Molly, but the whole thing was just uh, we wouldn't be here if, if if not for them in in the initial stages, that's for sure. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, the the, mo- the more recent shows. I the one in Clearwater that I saw with my wife uh, stands out. It was the first time I think I'd seen the band perform live since you had the uh, Aaron McLean as your music director. And there's right. there's a new a new approach a little bit to the music. There's there's much more of a impressive rock element to it that's been added. But but without t- but it doesn't dim the original DNA of the song. Like everything that you love about an original Air Supply song is still there. But it seems like it's been more electrified now, and and t- to its benefit. And I'm just kind of curious where that, how that change came about. Well, we've found that uh, no matter who you bring into the band, and they leave for various reasons. Um, you know, they want more money, or they're they're you can't work with them. We're we're a tight bunch. You know, there's only eleven of us, and if you don't get along uh personality wise with people you can't stay it's just that simple because we spend 300 days plus a year on the road together but that aside everybody puts their brings their influence into the band no matter what position they're at but aaron um is a phenomenal guitar player to start with and it was obvious when we would rehearse new songs or rehearse songs rather not new songs um that he had a flair for uh, interacting with the other guys in the band and not in a, uh, you know, I'm the boss condescending kind of way, you know, why don't we try this? Why don't you do that? Um, and it has a much tougher edge to it, certainly, and electrified, if that's the word to use, and I, I would certainly use that, than it ever has before. And uh, the, the consistent remark after the shows is about how incredible he is and he does he's the boss of the band you know we we graham and i leave that to him if there's any issues musically you know he takes care of it before it gets to us um 
a great personality live. I mean, he just exudes rock and roll, guitar hero guy. He's got the moves and the looks and and the playing to back it up, you know. Yeah. And sure. uh, with the addition of um, Pavel, the, the new drummer, um, it's just given that that the rhythm section and the and the band another dimension that people haven't seen before. And, and he's the other. Here's the other comment. Your, your drummer is phenomenal, and he is. He plays. He's hard at every night, and he's he's a young guy. I keep saying that. Um, he's got tremendous energy, and he loves what he does, and he loves being with us. Um, we just played the Hollywood Bowl in uh, California a couple of weeks ago, and uh, for me it was the, the best experience of a show in my life, uh, no doubt, for me. And um, he came up afterwards to me, and uh, he's not really an emotional guy. And uh, we had a little get-together afterwards, and uh, he put his arms around me. He's not that either. He gave me the biggest hug, and he said, you just made my my dream come true. And he, and he said, I love you for that, you know. And I was, whoa, okay. And, uh, you know, it meant that much to him, and it meant, it means that much to us to, to, have, to be able to work with guys that appreciate the, their gig and that uh, appreciate, you know, the fact that they're in, they're in something special. And, and we, we've had so many guys that um, leave the band uh, under whatever circumstances, mostly their own. Um, and a couple of weeks later, they'll call and say, "Oh, you know, made a mistake. Can I come back?" And we we say, "No, you know, it's, what's done is done, and we've moved on already." And and, then, and I always say to Graham. Like, what's wrong with this gig? You do 130-plus shows a year. You go all over the world. You get paid your airfare, hotel, per diem, and a good salary. What's Tell me the downside. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you just keep your mouth shut and play and, you know, dig it? Because, I mean, I, I go to places that I've been to 50 times. You know, I step off the plane in Singapore or Hong Kong or Buenos Aires, and I go, well, God, I'm, this is unbelievable. I'm... I'm on the on I'm on the way to eighty, and uh, I'm still doing this, and I love doing it, and I love this because it, nobody gets to do it that I know. You know, I want to be respectful of your time, but I'm also aware of the fact that we're approaching the fiftieth anniversary of Air Supply. Uh, what what do you have planned for that milestone? Well, you've been mentioning it a few times here. We we we're planning on a cruise for the fans. We're going to buy the ship for a week. Oh wow. So it'll be, uh, you know, this is, I guess, 50, 60% along. Um, just for the fans, uh, we plan, obviously, we're going to play a couple of shows ourselves, have the Q&A thing. We're going to get other acts on uh, for the two or three nights we're not playing. Um, yes, there'll be stuff during the day to do uh, just to try and kind of get as immersive as one can. Uh, in in a short period of time, but uh, that's the that's the big plan. We'd also talked about doing uh, one-off shows in uh, on the east coast, west coast, maybe Southeast Asia and Latin America in, in a big venue. Um, but that's that's another thing. But the, the the focus now is getting the screws together. Barry Siegel, our manager, is talking to different uh, uh, cruise lines to see you know what we can get because it's an expensive. Certainly, very expensive undertaking uh, to to rent a cruise ship for a week, um, but uh, when it happens, it's going to be a very fun experience, memorable, 
and uh, we think it's a great way to 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 finish the first fifty years of um, being on the road. It will be I, on the sea. We won't be on the road. <laughs> I, I don't know what works better for you, whether it's the hot tea between songs or the tattoos, but that oh my god, that's great! Look at those. You got a favorite one? No, there's too many. Well, I, I have my <laughs> wife. I actually have my wife's signature there. Oh, that's see. cool. And um, my my other one is I have my daughter's name oh. on this side. I have a rose for her, <clears throat> which was the first one I got, and it's about as big as a diamond. I was so scared to get tattooed that I thought if it was smaller, it wouldn't be as painful. <clears throat> but now I just grin and bear it. And uh, <laughs> I've, st- I've still got a bit of room left, but not too much. <laughs> I don't want to know where it is either. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, it will be visible. <laughs> Russell, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know um, – People couldn't be more excited to see you either on the ship or uh, I know you're playing Florida a few stops um, yeah, this yeah. coming year and we always go out of our way to, to find you. So just the best of luck with that tour and we yeah. just can't wait to see you in the spring of 2024. All right, mate. You have a great day. There he is, Russell Hitchcock. Found it interesting that he was once so shy that he hid behind the bongo drums. Yeah. I get it, though. Yeah. I mean, as he says, it takes some ego to think, okay, I want to do this and be out in front of people. But ego and extroversion are not the same thing. Yeah. You, you know, it was funny when he, he says, you know, it takes a bit of an ego to do this to, and, and to do what you do, he said to me. And I remember that kind of just hit me kind of weird at the at the moment, and, and I I thought is that is that true? Do I do I need an ego to to do what I do? I don't. I, I like to think yeah, I'm the I, most I, I, egoless person there's there is. However, however, I you know what I had the same initial reaction when I heard him say it. I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? You do have to have some. Well, okay, we'll call it ego. Some ego about like my opinion is worth voicing. My opinion <laughs> is worth recording and sharing with people. Like I have something to say about this. So yeah, I think, you know, we're what, six hundred and eighty episodes in? You are. I'm not that <laughs> far along. So I mean, ego comes with a lot of that term is really kind of laden with a lot of baggage. Like there's no such thing in kind of pop psychology parlance as a good ego. Yeah. But Maybe it needs another name, but there's something there. I, I do think he's right, because otherwise it'd just be like you and I would be writing emails back and forth to each other. Well, I think air supply is totally underrated. Well, I do too, <laughs> Steve. I wonder if there's anybody who'd be interested in our opinion on this matter. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think of it as 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 ha- having an ego. I think of it as having a curiosity and just having the willingness to pursue it. Yeah, and an energy and an energy and passion to share it. So, like I said, I think it just needs a better name. Yeah, but I, there is something. <laughs> there's a kernel of truth in what he says, whether that's the right thing to call yeah. it. Oh, anyway, if uh, like I said, check out their official website. Look at their tour dates. That was the one other thing I wanted to talk about. Like he's really like when he says people people quit and then they say, "Oh, I want to come back," and he's like, "What could be wrong with this job?" I'll tell you what could be wrong with that job. Traveling that much is yeah. not for everybody. 
And I get it. You know what it is when you sign up for the gig with these guys. Look, I quit a job I've very much enjoyed when I my kids were like three because I was on the road too much. You know, Katie sat me down. It's like, I didn't sign up to be a single parent. Can you think about finding something where you're home a little more often? So, you know, that, that kind of that rubbed me wrong is strong. But I was like, hmm, Russell, you know, don't make other people's life decisions for them. If you want to tour that much, obviously, that's fine. There, that's my ego making comments. Well, it's just nice to hear him share some honest opinions. I mean, I know someone like Russell has been interviewed thousands and thousands of times. And 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 the goal always to ask him a question he's never heard before, which I don't think I did today, but it's still nice to have him share some honest thoughts and and to also for those who who didn't see the video, there's a video of me interviewing him and he shows towards the end he does show off all his tattoos. So that's kind of amusing too. Uh, but you know what I'd like to show off right now? Please let it be the, the Seggies. Hey, it's time for Listener Mailbag. We're going to read some uh, emails we got this week. Got a good one in from the Tromboner. <laughs> Still has one of my he just wants names. me to say this over and over again. <laughs> Tromboner. It pains me. It pains me. I love that name. That and Commander Bourbon. Oh, yeah. Keep those two apart. <laughs> Nothing good can happen if you get the trombone and Commander Bourbon in the same I'll, room. I'll, I'll let you read this one, Brad. Here we go. <clears throat> Mr. Tromboner writes, Hi, Brad and Spearsy. After being virtually nagged about it for a couple of weeks, I finally watched Totally Killer on Amazon Prime. It was entertaining and an interesting twist on the going back in time thingy. There were a couple of nice references to us fans of 80s movies. But that got me thinking. Has Stuck in the 80s done an episode about modern-day TV shows and movies set in or giving significant airtime to the 80s? This could include shows and movies such as the aforementioned Stranger Things, The Goldbergs, Totally Killer, Hot Tub Time Machine, even American Psycho? In my opinion, it seems that a lot of shows latch onto the glitz, glamour, and neon part of the later 80s. But Stranger Things and the Americans reminded me that the early 80s looked a lot like the late 70s. Yeah, testify, tromboner, testify. I didn't watch it, but I've heard that the Goldbergs smushes a lot of 80s stuff together that might not have been chronologically coherent. I think I've heard you say that, Mr. Spearsy, sir. Many, many times. By the way, this raises the question. Do you have a list of past podcast topics so people with ideas can check and see if you've done something already? <laughs> Oh, just had another idea. Since Moonlighting is out on streaming now, Hulu, perhaps you could do an episode on that. It was quite the phenomenon in the mid to late 80s, as you might recall. Thanks. Still stuck in the 80s, the tromboner. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. Lot, lot, yeah, we got a lot to address here. Number one, no. Number two, yes. Number three, what? no. Number four, yes. Number five, <laughs> C, C, C. <laughs> I did watch Totally Killer this morning, actually. Oh yeah, what's the it, what's the premise? I'm okay, not I'm okay. not familiar. It's basically I I only found out about it like four or five days ago. Okay, it's basically um, hot tub time machine meets Back to the Future, but in the horror slasher genre. Oh, okay. A girl goes back 35 years to 1987 when three of her mom's oh, friends were killed. I saw the trailer for this. Yes. Yeah. And so she tries to prevent their murders and then f tries to find a way to come back to tonight to 2023. 
what's interesting about it, I'm just still trying to decide you know, what I think of it. I mean, I, I enjoyed it because, you know, it, it, it tried to, to do justice to the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly it was hat tip to hot tub time machine and back to the future. In fact, I think she even name checks. Well, she does name check back to the yeah. future. Oh, that's funny. So it's, it's not like they're trying to pretend those didn't exist. Yeah. Right. And it's like, um, what, what is this? Something got a back to the future scenario, but, but it's worth watching. Did it have a little bit too much, too many stabbings for me? Yes. A little too stabby. <laughs> it's very stabby, but it's, it's on Amazon prime. I don't know how much longer it'll be there. It's, it was definitely a, a good idea. I wanted okay. to watch it on a Halloween night, but it didn't work out. Okay. So mm. there's, there's your answer on, it didn't really ask us about totally killer, but I, there you go. Has stuck in the eighties done an episode about modern day TV shows and movies set in the eighties. Yes. We did that back in about 2008. I feel like we did a show when Stranger Things season one was up. I feel like we did a show on it then. I think we did also a show on, I think we did a show on Hot Tub Time Machine. We should have. I was supposed to have John Cusack on the show for that. That fell through. Shocking. There was a show, 2008, 2009. I'm not going to look it up and I'm going to tell you why. It's not worth listening to. It was done during the Vegas girlfriend era. And if I recall, she might have been the co-host. Mm. And anybody who has listened to those particular episodes where she's a part of them knows mm. that they're not very good. A <laughs> little bit of a Yoko problem there. Yes. So, yes, we've done it. Yes, we should probably do it again and do it better. Um, but one specific example that I thought of was, do you remember when we had one of the, the kids, I guess we can call him a kid, the kid that was in the movie summer of 1984, kind of another horror movie that was out maybe four yeah, or five sure. years ago. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I am not a horror movie guy. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack quite a bit. The one thing that sticks out in my mind is you can tell that this character is young because he doesn't know to turn off the lights in his bedroom when he's looking out the window at people. <laughs> basic physics people. Like, come on, you moron. You're all backlit. He can see you standing there. Anyway, so that's yeah. one specific example. And to be fair, that's been four or five years at least. Yeah. No, I we've talked about the Goldbergs. My problem with the Goldbergs has always been that they the mismashing of time. Like they'll be going to see Poltergeist in the theater, but there's a poster of Top Gun on the wall. That's not possible. Yeah, they're just playing fast and loose with the timeline, kids. Yeah, sorry, it's not how I, we gotta, do it around here. Got to be consistent. Can you find a list of past podcasts so people can? I don't mind answering the question if if someone has a question, they want to email and say, "Hey, did you ever do a show on such and such?" I am more than happy to answer that. And I and I know yeah. I did. I wrote Chum Boner back, and I think I answered the question. If you go to the website. Uh, SIT80s.com. There's a section, I think on the, in the main menu, this says latest episodes. And it's a literally from episode one to episode 684. Holy um, cats. But, you know, it'll take you forever to go through them. And, and some of the older shows, the descriptions may not be quite so uh, accurate, but to be honest, if you're, if it's a show we did before <laughs> 2008, it's it's probably time to reconsider a a, a, a reboot. So hmm, reboot. Some of, those, some of those some of those are ripe for reboots. Oh, and Moonlighting. Yes, Moonlighting is streaming on Hulu this coming weekend. I will be interviewing the two, two hosts of a Moonlighting podcast. 
What? And so one of our next episodes will be a moonlighting episode. They, I think one of them lives in Australia and one of them lives in China. Oh so my I'm, gosh. Time zone horror. I think I'm talking to him at, it might be like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday that I'm talking to them. <laughs> But it's it's, oh, it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be uh, a challenge. But I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. They've they've already sent me a bunch of emails where here are the here are the episodes you have to watch. And, I, and the wife and I have been rewatching Moonlighting on Hulu. I think we've gotten four or five episodes into it, and it's it's brilliant. It's wonderful. It's everything that I remember that it was. So. Can I ask a question? How many seasons of a, of Moonlighting what, were there? Was it four or five? five? Oh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I feel like I'm I, okay. This is going to shock you all. I've never seen a single episode of this show. Oh, you should. Katie loved it. Katie loved like it was appointment television. Like we had the whole like the kids these days don't understand. You had to watch it when it was on. <laughs> you know, yeah. conversation the other night. So I think we're going to dive into it and start watching it. But man, I'm like, am I really signing up to watch? You know, a hundred and something episodes of television. I guess so. No, I don't. I think the first season like only has twenty episodes a season. Sixteen on the first one. So it might have no. been like a mid-season replacement. I don't know. All these questions will be answered okay. soon enough, my friend. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, if, if she wants to watch it, we'll watch it. It's. I just. I'm like, what am I signing up for? Let's. Yeah. Like when you say, okay, here's a ten episode season of something, and they're thirty minutes. Like, great. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we are going to start. We're going to start at the beginning. S one E one, probably called something snappy like pilot, and we'll I go from I there. I just watched it two weeks ago. I'm like, it's two hours. I'll tell you that. So okay anyway if you have a message for us or an email or, or anything help or you want to scold me for my terrible help. television habits yes that wouldn't be bad either email us at podcast at sit80s.com hey it's time for tv party tonight we will play a snippet of a tv theme song from the 80s to get it right you're entered into the drawing for a postal friendly bottle opener Postal friendly bottle, which I still don't have because Brad hasn't given me one. Yeah, or a keep, sticker. You keep. Oh, Jesus, how many how many stickers and bottle openers would you like? Sir? I would like two stickers and one bottle opener. Okay, we will exceed <laughs> expectations on that front. Uh anyway, I don't remember what episode from a few episodes ago. Uh, here was the mystery theme. That's threes a crowd. You and me together. We're gonna weather the odds and win. Lovers they can't divide. Making it side by side. I actually did watch this show, at least a little bit of it. Uh, threes a crowd is a spinoff from Three's Company, which was my baby sister's favorite TV show. In fact, she I think she once wrote a college paper about it. <laughs> Which really, I think I, I think I had to edit it or something like that. It was wow. We need to we need to have that we need to have that uh, discussed <laughs> at dinner on the cruise this year. Oh my god, yeah, because she'll be there with with her boyfriend. Three's a crowd debuted in 1984, one week after the final episode of Three's Company. Smart fans will remember that John Ritter reprises his role as Jack Tripper. At this point, he has a girlfriend who he proposes marriage to. She turns him down because her parents had a bitter divorce, but they decide to move in together in the apartment above his restaurant. So, ah, so it's just the institution of marriage that she has a problem with. Yes. Okay. Uh, 
Three's a Crowd, remember, is a remake of a British sitcom called Robin's Nest, which itself was a spinoff of Man About the House, upon which Three's Company was based. Wait, wait, wait. Give, give me that again. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Three's a Crowd, which is the spinoff of Three's it's Company. It's a remake. It's a remake of a British sitcom, which called was based Robin's on Nest. A, which is a spinoff of another, which is what Three's... So basically, you know... Art is eating its own tail. Here. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, it only lasted one season. It was put up against a team in the lineup, which didn't help. So, mm. pity the fool who watches Three's a Crowd. To that end, only two people got it right. Mm. Oh, and I recognize both of these names from my swag. I think, I think they both have swag already. They have. So, uh, I have both of their addresses. I will send them a beer koozie or two. Yeah, it's Brian in San Francisco and John Ross in Charlotte. You betcha. Watch your mail. I could have sworn we had more. And if, if you're one of the ones who said, yeah, I sent it in. I, I don't know why. It just didn't show up when we do our, our our fancy data, whatever the hell data is called in our system, how it's uh, derived from the quantum symbol for. That's really all I found, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. For Dr. Pepper, here's Air Supply. To be a pepper, original like a pepper, all you gotta do is take To know the pleasure of a flavor you will treasure, all you gotta do is take back we got a few minutes left i thought hey duran duran is a new album out we could do a whole show about it or we could talk about it for five minutes at the end of this week's show just i think we tuck, picked... tuck it in here yeah you've heard it yeah i listened to it yesterday i had a very exciting day i was cleaning up my office because i mm. had just it's a shit piling up everywhere so i'm sitting in my reasonably clean office listening to the new ish duran duran album have you heard any of it what's it called it's called dance macabre no, I have not. Kind of. I mean, you could you could claim that it's a sort of a concept album in that they, the band has said it's like the soundtrack to a Halloween party. Mm. Like, okay. There's some reworks of Duran Duran songs on here. There's a lot of covers. There's a few new tracks. Um, it's This is going to sound like I'm damning it with faint praise, and perhaps I am. It's serviceable. It's not like an amazing entry in the canon. Yes, yeah. you know it's kind of Hippocratic Oath territory here. It does no harm. I like the title track. It's got kind of a nice groove, and it sounds like an old Duran Duran song, which is fun. Yeah, um, I like the rework of Nightboat, which I think you would like because I know you like that song. They opened up with it on this uh, latest tour. 
Yeah. There's some things on it that didn't work for me. Like there's a they do a rework of Lonely in Your Nightmare and kind of twist it in with Super Freak. Which <laughs> that just say that to me, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm here for that. I I want to like this. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Okay. And then Simon starts rapping. No. It just uh, no 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 that's like me rapping no just bad bad idea it took me right back to their cover of 911 as a joke which was in itself kind of a joke it's so bad yeah so i love that concept but it just doesn't land for me i'm sure that there are durannies out there who are screaming at the if they're still listening who are screaming at me for this but i mean I, on balance, like I liked the cover of Psycho Killer they have. I like the color, the cover of uh, Paint It Black. I thought was kind of interesting. I like the Ghost Town cover. It's a little uneven, I guess, is what I would say to me. Gotcha. Uh, I'll but it's, it's available it. on streaming. You know, you can get it. You can listen to it on your Spotify or whatever. That's just, that's what I'll do. Just check it out. You know, put it on. <laughs> do some housework. It's great. <laughs> no, that it sounds good. I, I like it. Um... Oh, one other thing I want to say, and I really should have brought this up in our last show, was a little bit behind on my homework for the real life show, and I went back and was watching the video for Catch Me, I'm Falling, Yeah, because that song is just such an earworm that I, sometimes I find that if I, ha- I have to run towards it to push it out, so I like <laughs> put it on and make myself listen to it a bunch of times, and then eventually it will like dissipate and I can go about my life. You have to watch this video. Did you, have you seen this video, Steve? <laughs> hundred times God, my friend <laughs> it is just i want to live in the world of that video it is peak 80s video it belongs on a list of i can't even explain how amazing yeah. it is you need to watch it it looks like the girls from iran show up at one point and they tie him up with like orange cord or something and he looks all distraught while he's singing it's just ah it's amazing and then there's a, the, the set piece where they're playing like the performance part of it that kind of intercuts with this narrative that makes no sense at all. Uh, they're all, the set is completely white. They're all wearing white, like David Sterry's wearing these really kind of cool tapered pants. It looks like white kids and these white like 80s men's blouse top things with big shoulders and like all this fabric wraparound kind of stuff. But the real star of the show is the guitar he's playing is like a Roland synthesizer controller slash guitar with this weird offset neck on it. And I'm like, what is he playing? I, just, I it's just you, you got you, you give yourself a little treat. Give yourself you know you're going to get a chance. You're going to get a chance to ask him about it. I'm, I am going to. I'm going to tell me about the Roland G707. I need to know about it. Everything. <laughs> Start at the beginning. I have all day. And he's going to be like, can I just eat my fucking omelet, Brad? Jesus. <laughs> no, you got you just I'm begging you. If you like this show, if you listen to this show, get on the YouTube search. Catch me. I'm falling. It is a confectionery 80s synth pop delight. But, but don't visually. Don't Visually, it is amazing. When you're searching for it, it's Catch Me, I'm Falling by Real Life, not Catch Me, I'm Falling by Pretty Poison. Important distinction. That's the song that's probably going through some people's heads right now. Catch Me, I'm Falling. That's not the real life song. No, no. The real life song. Oh, and, and you actually said this on the show. That whole album. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's startling. Yeah. No, it's remember just so good. Remember how you and I used to always t- 
talk about Wang Chung points on the curve mm-hmm. and how great that album is. And like, there's not mm-hmm. a bad cut on that album. That's kind of how I feel about Heartland by Real Life. It's just, yeah. it's just one of those albums where it just every everyone is an arrow that hits its mark. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Sorry, uh, uh, Russell. We'll talk some more about Air Supply now. Air Supply. Check them out. It's going to be a great show. It's going, to, like I said, if if you're not on the boat, catch them in your hometown. They they usually play. You know, medium-sized venues, and you can get so you can get you know seats where you can really see him. I'm telling you, and and he's going to connect with you. He is looking to connect with the audience, and you could be that audience. He's going to look at you. He's going to wink and flash you a thumbs up, <laughs> and so am I, because Brad and I are here, hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Stuck in the eighties is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. It's not the mystical refrain, is it? Uh, I mean, anything can be mystical if you're not sure what's going on, Steve. Let's just do it over again.